0: This fall we have been looking at uh, Paul's last letter, which is the book of, or the letter of 2nd Timothy. We've been talking about essentials, life truths that matter. Uh, This morning I want to talk about living in God's time. I want to talk about living in God's time. Um... God not only has time but he has a purpose for time and there is a purpose that God has for times in your life and that's what I want to talk about because I think that that is what emerges from our scripture today which is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the first five verses and I want to read that and then I want to tell you how we're going to attack it this morning. Um, really starting in in chapter 4 Paul begins to make a turn he's he's heading towards the finish line Um, and so he says to Timothy he says I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom preach the word be ready in season and out of season convince rebuke exhort with all long-suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires because they have itching ears they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables but you be watchful in all things Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Um, there's a number of things that we could look at this morning that are very significant in these first five verses. But I want to talk about time, God's time. Because in this scripture there are three instances in which Paul uses one of the Greek words for time and you see it in um, verse 2 when he says be ready in season and out of season that word season and then later in verse 3 when he says for the time uh, I, I've talked about this before but I have a feeling that most of you don't remember this <laughs> there's two Greek words for time one is Chronos. And it it speaks of time, of uh, almost a technical word for time. It's just time, the passage of time. Uh, There's no specific significance to it. It's just time. I'm going to describe that here in just a minute. There's another word, and, and we get our word chronology from, okay? Everything comes from the Greek. You just don't know that, okay? Now, that was my big, fat Greek wedding. But anyhow, that's fine. You don't have to laugh at my jokes. Um, I think it's from that movie. I don't know. Maybe if you're a Greek major, you just always go, no, it all came from the Greek. It is all, it's all Greek. Uh, the other word is kairos, which is, "chronos." is not used in this passage. It is the word kairos, which means time with a certain quality. There is some feel, purpose, uh, sense of time. Um, uh, if you say, to, what is the time? Well, it's, it's 11 AM. Uh, it's November 8, 2020. Uh, that's just the time. Although even I would say when we say for, for years from now on, when we say 2020, it's going to be like, Oh, that wasn't just a year. That was like, Oh, that's 2020. It's going to have a certain quality attached to it. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to turn from Kronos to Kairos, it's like, oh no, 2020, yeah. Um, uh, Kairos is, and it's translated here, season. It has a certain quality to it. Uh, it's, if, I, if I say it's 1138 a.m., okay, November 8th, 2020, okay, that's the time. But if I said it's Sunday morning, that's also time, but there's a certain sense to that. I can say it's, it's November 8th, 2020, or I can say it's, fall. And when you say it's fall, that's also time, but it has a sense to it. I, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to tell this. When I, when I think of Kronos, and I know y'all always perk up when I say that, it's like, and my wife's cringing over there going, no, don't do it. Kairos, uh, Kronos, Kairos, um, Seinfeld episode. Um, Jerry, Kramer. George are in the back seat of a, a taxi. And Kramer says, what day is it? And Jerry says, it's Tuesday. And Kramer goes, I don't think it's Tuesday. It doesn't feel like a Tuesday. And Jerry goes, Tuesday has no feel. Monday has a feel. Friday has a feel. Tuesday has no feel. Anyhow, I don't know. I don't know what the point of it was. It's, it was a show about nothing. So there, actually there was... There was no significance to that. But, but I think of, Tuesday has no feel. But even if we say Friday, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I digress. Um, one of the essentials to life is to make sure we don't just pass time, chronos, but that we live in the time as kairos, understanding there is a purpose there is a significance to it and that significance so this is God's I'm not talking about living in time I'm talking about living in God's time the sovereign God of this universe has a purpose for the time in which we live um Paul talks to Timothy I have to I have to press. I have to press to the point this morning. He says in verse 1, and I'm going to use verse 1 as a framework for two points this morning, and the first one comes from the first half when he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, and I want to talk about the time now. I want to talk about living in God's time now. God has a purpose for right now, the time we have on this earth. But there's a transition in in verse 1, and it's going to be the second point that I want to make. After he says, the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, who will, future tense, judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom? So I want to talk about living in God's time now. But secondly, I want to talk about living now uh, with an understanding of what is to come. And I think that's the point that Paul was making to Timothy. There was a lot of points, but he says in the present tense, I charge you right now therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, actually, that word charge is a word that is used in a legal city setting to, for someone making an oath, putting my hand on the Bible and I'm making a pledge. And Paul says, as he is beginning to turn the corner and close his letter, he says, Timothy, and and Paul's about to die, and he's been his mentor to Timothy and raising him up, discipling him. It's as if Paul brings, at the end of his letter, he brings Timothy before God, and he says, I want you to put your hand on the Bible, and I want you to pledge, solemnly swear that this is what you will do. And he charged him with his mission, his purpose in life. He he goes back in these verses and he reminds him of what that that purpose is, but he charges him solemnly before God. And I want you to understand, when he says that, the implication and what we see in the scripture is that God has a purpose for his life in the now. And I'm going to say this later, but this is what we got to sense. The now at some point will be over no you have now and then there's gonna be another there's gonna be another Kairos there's gonna be another season there's gonna be something else there's gonna be another time but right now you've got to understand what the God-given purpose is in your life and he he talks about that and I believe he summarizes it in verse 2 when he says preach the word that was that was Timothy's commission that word preach means to be a herald it's it's the guy in in England that walks the street and says hear ye hear ye a herald Uh, he is a proclaimer and what is the content of what he proclaims the word it is what God it is what God has revealed Um, it's going to come to the point at the end of my sermon it is not what the preacher wants It is what God wants. But God needs a voice. Timothy, you are that voice. And in fact, that word, uh, the content of what he preaches, the word uh, uh, Paul has already talked about in verse 16. That was last Sunday. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And I believe it kind of, uh, what he says at the end of two when he says convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching kind of flows out of the content of the word. When you preach the word, it will convince, it will rebuke, it will exhort. Uh, you are to do it in the spirit of all long suffering. You're to teach. That is that, Timothy, that is what you are called uh, to do. Let me pause right here and say to you as a preacher, I identify with this charge. Because in many respects, it is my charge, it is my purpose in life, but you may be sitting there and you may say, but that's not my charge. And I would say to you, that may be true, but if you are a Christian today, God has a purpose for your life, for the now. So don't go, well, I got out, the preacher was preaching to preachers this morning. Oh, not so fast, my friend. Uh, no, you have a God-given purpose. And actually, it's going to come to what I'm going to talk about. Secondly, when we see the second half of one, when, when he says someday you will stand before God and give an account for the purpose that God gave you and the time that you had. What did you do with that? We will all give an account of our lives, our time to God and the purpose that he had. And it, it may relate to your vocation it may relate to your family it may relate to a ministry in the church I don't know what it is but if you're a child of God if you're saved, God has a purpose for your life and you're charged and someday you and I will both give an account of that before God for Timothy that charge was preached the word there's a little bit of, there's a a pivot in verse 2. He says, preach the word. But then he says, be ready in season and out of season. In good kairos, in bad kairos. (laughs) Uh, And what he is saying is, you have a divine calling from God but the reality is in the midst of this world (laughs) there's gonna be good times there's gonna be bad times there's gonna be convenient times and inconvenient times for you to call for you to live out your purpose no it, it gets a little messy doesn't it it's so high sounding to say you have a purpose before God it sounded so great that Sunday I surrendered to be a preacher until you get down in the muck and the mass but that's that's not in that's not just me that's you in your parenting in your job in your ministry in the church no it's just, it's just the way it is because we live in a world that's not flowing in the purposes of God that's part of the battle and that's why he's actually gonna say some things at the end in verse 5 uh, I don't know, in verses 3 and 4, let me just read these. I think he kind of talks about that. There's going to be good seasons, there's going to be bad seasons. And he says in verse 3, he talks about the seasons to come. He says, and the time or the season will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They don't want to hear the word that you preach, the truth. But according to their desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Now that's just going to be the reality. Uh, Paul says to Timothy, and he really talked about this earlier in chapter 3, he says the day's going to come uh, that it's, uh, they're not going to want to hear it. The question becomes, Timothy, are you here to please men? Or are you here to please God? Do you parent your children so that it looks good to your social circles, to the society in which you live in? Do you you practice your your profession in a way that just kind of goes with the flow with everything that's around you? Or is your purpose to please God? regardless of what the world says or does or what the flow of this world is and so I think that's reason in verse 5 he says but you be watchful it's the picture of a a soldier on duty at a post stay alert be watchful and I want to say this and I I need to save five minutes for the end Paul is saying to Timothy, you've got to be aware of what's going on around you. And I'm going to say some things at the end this morning because I have a God-given responsibility as your spiritual leader to say, this is what the world looks like from God's perspective. I need to give, I need to remind us or tell us the perspective, but he says to Timothy, Regardless of what's going on in your world, you be watchful, be alert, endure afflictions, because there's going to be opposition. Do the work of an evangelist. This is one of the few times in the New Testament this word evangelist is used. And it's a word we get we generally translated gospel. So this is a gospel good news proclaimer. Um, cricket, I love this because it says do work evangelism, the evangelist. No, it, it's just work. It's like a farmer that has, you have to cultivate the field, you have to water it, you have to fertilize it, you've got to sow the seed, you've got to cultivate the seed, you've got to harvest the seed. No, it's just the work of an evangelist. But what I love about this is in the midst of preaching the word, uh, Paul says make sure you focus on the basics, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. Call people to salvation in Jesus Christ. Uh, And then finally he says, fulfill your ministry. You have a task, fulfill it, do it. Um, Our purpose, there's a couple things, but one of the things I want to say is our purpose does not change when the world changes. Because my calling, my purpose is not based upon where the world is. It's who my God is. It is God's time. Not my time. It's not the world's time. It's not anybody's time. God is the creator and the sovereign of this universe. It is God's time. But but know that partly in the mind of, of Paul is the fact that this time, this season will end there's a time and you have limited time i i I think about jesus parables and there's several of these but just the parable of the talents there is a man he entrusts certain talents with his servants and he goes on a journey when is he coming back they don't know what are they supposed to be doing and this is the same there's a wedding scenario parable there's some things that's like, okay, the big dog left. He gave you an assignment. He's coming back. When is he coming back? Well, we don't know exactly. Be busy about what the master has told you to do. And this transitions to our second thought today because when he comes back, you will be held account to account for what you did in what he gave you, the assignment and the time. And so at the second part, of verse 1 so he says that we are to live in God's time now I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ but we have to live in God's time now with eternity in mind and Paul makes that pivot in verse 1 he says who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom uh, Paul re- really zeroes in, and I, I can't get into Trinitarian theology, but he says, I charge you therefore before God. Okay, that's one thing. But he goes on to say, but the Lord Jesus Christ. And who does he identify as the one who will judge? Is it God the Father? Nope. There's other scriptures that bear this out. Who will judge us that day when, we, when this time is over and we pass into eternity Paul is very clear. New Testament theology is very clear. We will stand before Jesus. It will come. There is a time that this world will end. Our time on this world will end. And it's not just that we will stand before God, but we will stand before Jesus. He will be our judge that day. And he will judge the living and the dead. Uh, Partly that's a way of saying he will judge all people. But really, if we had time to dig into that, we would see he's talking about the saved and the unsaved. Regardless of who you are, every human being will stand before Jesus Christ. And actually, the first question will be, I mean, if you think about it, you're going to stand before Jesus. What did you do with Jesus? Jesus is the only way to the Father. It's, it's going to be a little awkward that day when you stand before Jesus and say, Oh, but I believed in God. No. The only way to the Father is through the Son. You're going to stand before Jesus that day, and the first question is going to be, what did you do with the sacrifice of my death on the cross that paid for you, paid for you to get here? You just had to believe. But the living and the dead will be brought before God that day. He will be our judge. But I want you to look at verse 1. His appearing... And his kingdom man I could have spent the whole sermon there because what it implies what Paul is saying to Timothy is someday Jesus is going to appear that implies that we do not see him right now and many times where we get off in life is we live for what we can see and not what we can't see what we can't see is most significant And whether we can see Jesus reigning, he reigns. And someday that will be evident because he will appear. But also it's that word, his kingdom. It is not evident in our world right now that Jesus is king. But I'm telling you, Jesus is king. And someday it will be manifest. He will appear. We will know this. He will be the large and in charge. There will be no question about the throne and who reigns, who is sovereign here. It will be Jesus. He will be the king. And it affects everything in the here and now because we have to live in God's time now with eternity in mind. The first thing has to be what have we done with the message that was proclaimed that the only way of salvation is Jesus Christ and he died on the cross to pay for your sins and he just asked you to believe. Surrender your life. It's the only way of salvation. Daryl Smith will stand before God someday and if God asks me the question why would I let you into my heaven? I guarantee you, my answer is not going to be, well, I served as a pastor all those years. I think God would just quote Isaiah passages that said, your righteousness is like filthy rags. That's where Isaiah was when he says, woe is me. Holy, 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 woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amidst of a people of unclean lips. None of us are going to stand before a holy God and say, oh, God, look at what I did for you. No, my only plea will be because as a 10 year old little boy, I heard the gospel and you touched my heart, and I believe that day. And because of what Jesus did, is the only hope that I have that day of being in the presence of a holy God. But the second question will be, and it's implied in. Paul's words here, and I think is really the point that we come down to today, is you were charged in the now, but that time ended and now you stand before Jesus and you and I will give an account. Whether we are a Christian, whether we are not a Christian, what did we do with Jesus but what, would we, what did we do with the assignment, the purpose that he gave us in this world? And I, I, want you, I want us to think about that today. You don't have to be a preacher for that to be a point of application for you today. It doesn't matter what your calling, your purpose is in life, it's what are you going to do with it? And for you to know, and, and I think that this is. I hate to say a veiled threat by Paul, but he's, he's saying to Timothy, I charge you, son, you've got to step up. You've got to be the man. You've got to preach the word. It doesn't matter how people receive it, what they think, what they believe. You've been given a God-given purpose, and you've got to know that someday you're going to stand before a holy God, and it won't be matter of what did you think you ought to do, what did man want you to do. Did you do what God told you to do? That will be the only question. I want to close with this that I want you to apply that. That's sort of the end of the sermon. That's it. That's it. As your pastor, though, I want to say, addendum P.S. We have to understand the season the kairos, the times that we pass through in our world today. It is my God-given responsibility as a shepherd over a people to say, you have to see where we are. The implication of the scripture is that's the reason that Timothy was there to proclaim what God said was true. Be watchful in the midst of that. Don't let the world pull the people away so that they begin to believe in fables and they have itching ears and they surround themselves with people that are telling them what they want to hear in their hearts. What is the word? What is the day in which we live? I'm 58 years of age. Um, And decades ago, America started down a road away from God. Maybe we've always been walking away from God. But I I can just say, experientially, in the context in which I live, that America started down a road decades ago of walking away from God, and we continue to walk down that road and it is a road of moral decline it is a road and I don't have time to delve into this it is a road in which we are walking away from a Judeo-Christian world view the further we go down that road the further we get away from God and the more evident that becomes the further you go down the road America the further you get away from God and we just keep walking down the road I'm telling you the preacher doesn't actually know what to do about it other than to be responsible for who he's responsible for and for my own life. But I'm telling you, the further you go down that road, America, the further you get away from God. And we see the moral decline in a greater extent. And, and Paul actually talks about this to Timothy in the last days. Less and less of a Judeo-Christian worldview. In fact, a worldview that is... Uh, uh is is uh I'm sorry I'm searching for a word. Uh, well no that is uh promoted through the majority of our media in America. No there is there is a there is a worldview, a perspective of life that is that is promoted by our media. Um, and thing that I'm I'm serious the longer you go down the road you see some things and the longer you've walked on that road with America there's more things like oh my the silencing of certain views in America by big tech is just like shocking Uh, and I see an elite political establishment that is promoting the worldview and this walk away from God in a way that uh, uh, I don't know I, I I like to be an optimist I don't want to be a pessimist I would like to call myself today a biblical realist I don't know, doesn't that sound good I'm just a biblical realist and I want you to know today that apart from God turning America back to himself, we will continue to see more of the effects of what it looks like when a country walks away from God. Um, That's more of a spiritual statement than it is a political statement, but it's a political statement this morning. Uh, I have a responsibility before you to say that Uh, I'm not here to please men because someday I'm not gonna stand before you and give an account of my life I'm gonna stand before God Uh, we have to take responsibility for ourselves I have to take responsibility for who I have influence over And what I will say and uh, this is what I want to say to close uh, is that all time is God's (laughs) it doesn't matter whether it's Kronos or Kairos no time is God's time which means he is sovereign it is God's time it's not my time It's not America's time. It's not a politician's time. No, it's God's time. And the reason I know that is because when this time on this world ends, we will see his time. That's been the reality all along, but we will see it in a manifest way. Uh, And so God's hand still controls time Even in America, and as I read in Isaiah 6, God still sits on the throne today, and the question is, what have you done with Jesus Christ? What will you do with Jesus Christ? And will you live out God's purpose in the time that you have? And kind of just the thought, and I I close with this, won't you stand? You'll think we're finished. My purpose has not changed. Your purpose has not changed. It's still the same because God is still the same. And our our purpose and the time is God's. Amen? Amen. Father, today we uh, thank you for being sovereign God. And we thank you that we can trust you and that you love us. And you want the best for us. And so, Father, I pray that we would passionately live out that. To love people. To proclaim the good news. And that, Father, in you, we would experience life now and for eternity. And, Father, we trust that to you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you're dismissed. I'm at the front if you'd like to visit with me.